I don't think that the whole of Larrakia has ever been consulted for anything that's gone on in our country, including this. And all we're trying to do is speak for country. Welcome to Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program produced and presented by women and gender diverse people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on unceded Kulin Nations lands and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Priya. Today's episode puts a spotlight on the campaign to return Binibara or Lee Point, a lush coastal area north of the city of Darwin, to Larakia Care. The fight for Lee Point has been running since mid-2023, with both First Nations and non-Indigenous activists putting up staunch resistance against Defence Housing Australia's plan to build around 800 dwellings over an area of significant First Nations cultural heritage. With a stay on work announced by Defence Housing Australia in early August 2023 set to lift this coming March, Latakia owners are ramping up the fight to return Lee Point to their care and put a permanent end to land clearing on the site. Speaking with me about the campaign to save Lee Point in the history of militarized settler colonial occupation of Latakia country today is Latakia, Gungarakan, Gurindji, and French writer and political activist Laniuk. Interspersed through this conversation, you'll also hear from several Latakia women who've lent their voices and stories to the fight, using audiovisual storytelling as a medium to convey the significance of Latakia people's relationship with country as a foundation for community and cultural strength, and to ensure Latakia futures. To start our episode off, you heard from Jamila Mills, and later on, you're going to hear the voices of Arbe Talbot, Haley McAdam, Auntie Ali Mills, and Arbe Adrian. You can head to Laniuk's Instagram, that's instagram.com forward slash L-A-N-I-Y-U-K, to watch the accompanying footage of this intergenerational tribute to Larakia country. Laniuk's Instagram bio also contains a link to the change.org petition to return Lee Point to Larakia Care, so please make sure you head over and sign and share it if you haven't already. My name is Laniuk. I'm a Larakia Kungarakan Gurindji and French political creative. Um, and that was an important distinction for me to make in my art practice because I really feel that my, the poetry and the creative writing and um, I'm now moving into documentary and film, you know, my art practice is a key strategy of survival and resistance. As an Aboriginal person, I really believe it's probably one of the most powerful tools that, you know, I have in my toolkit um, for truth-telling and for fighting for land, culture, and the future of my people, really. Yeah, absolutely. And there's um, definitely a dimension or so many dimensions there that aren't captured in things like, you know, your sort of sterile academic report about why uh, sites need to be saved. Like there is, um, there's so much rich like cultural resonance in the storytelling that you've even done through the campaign and through speaking with and interviewing Larkia women about their relationships to to Lee Point. So I thought, you know, to to open up the conversation, we could talk a little bit about uh, the operation of the military industrial complex on Larrakia country, because 
that operation itself is contingent on this continued violent appropriation and transformation of Aboriginal land. And we know that Larrakia country has long been impacted by the entrenched presence of the ADF or the Australian Defence Force. So I was hoping you could provide maybe a little bit of context. You know, you don't really need to go into specifics, but more about the kind of coloniality of military presence on Larrakia country. The... Australian Defence Force and the American Defence Force, which has a, a growing presence um, in the north and in Darwin, you know, it it plays a really large role in the colonial imagining and narrative around Darwin in particular. Um, you know, my name, so my name Laniuk is actually from my grandmother's um, country, which is a neighbouring to Latakia country where Darwin City is situated. It, it um, shares a border with Latakia country. And Laniuk is actually a an area on Kungarakan country. Um, and it has this beautiful fresh water. It's just like this gorgeous oasis. You're not actually supposed to swim there. Um, they call it Berry Springs. But when you Google Berry Springs, you can find this um, brochure, this tourist brochure about Berry Springs. And the leading narrative of that area was that it's a space of, uh, it was a space of recreation and relaxation for you know the Australian military um and it it's just it it's the dominating narrative on our lands um there is not a a very strong presence of our storytelling of our lands of our history it's really centered around the military and even today outside of you know a historical context but in the present moment Darwin is currently being built for the fly-in, fly-out community of the military and of the mining companies as well. So, you know, the cost of living is excruciating. It's painful. It's mm. really hard for um, Darwin families, for Latakia people, for Aboriginal families to um, to keep up with the cost of living because we're sort of contending with, you know, a, a government paycheck um, to the military and to the mining companies. Um and so we're getting pushed further and further out into the fringes of our own community, of our on our own lands, um, and we're seeing that happen at Lee Point, where you know the where the priority is to build 800 houses on sacred Latakia, beautiful lush land with ceremonial sites and dreaming connections, and that land is being prioritised to build 800 houses for military personnel, private investment, and for international buyers as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was also thinking as you were talking about the the fact that Darwin uh, also occupies, I guess, like a, a space in, in the Australian national imaginary of Australia's own invasion anxieties when actually it's this site of continued invasion and appropriation of Larrakia country. Um, and yet, you know, there's still this World War II era resonance of, of fear about invasion and the need for a military presence in that place, which I think, you know, continues to be sustained through things like this, this housing initiative. This country heals me. I can't be out of Darwin, you know. Or if I am for so long, I have to come back. You know, I need my country. Being here makes you, I don't know what it is, but it's just being on my country. Being on this country is good, you know. It's good energy. Just, you know, now yuckiness is just lovely. It's what I love about it. It's good. Perfect. Basically, last year, Defence Housing Australia, I believe, made plans to establish 800 dwellings for military personnel on Lee Point, which were pretty swiftly approved by Federal Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek. So can you talk about 
this kind of rush decision and varying responses from the local community, because I know that this then led to demonstrations, which led to the arrest of protesters, including Larrakia people last July, who were fighting to save the site. And there, you know, there's been some real pushback, but also a bit of complexity around decision making at um, at the time of the proposed plans. During the interviews with Latakia people speaking about um, Lee Point, I spoke to one of my sisters actually, and I was speaking to her about Lee Point and this this sort of frustration around consultation. And you know, she just sort of looked at me and she was like, "I don't think." Latakia people have ever been properly consulted about anything that's happening on our land Um, and it is really devastating uh, to be on your own country and to watch the destruction the constant daily destruction of your ancestral lands without any regard to how devastating an impact that that plays on our culture on our futures on our children on our languages on our ceremonial sites like there there was minimal um very very minimal consultation to pass um this this destruction of that Mm. area and i've been thinking about this a lot lately you know when we are talking about consultation for the proposed destruction of Aboriginal land. And when we're talking about consultation with community, at the moment it's really being upheld by colonial standards of what consultation means. It's not coming from an Indigenous um, standpoint of what it means to be in true relationship, true consultation. You know, there are a number of Latakia families, there are, you know, thousands of individual Latakia people, and every single one of us cares about that land. And cares about that land in a way that I don't think that the Australian government understands. We're not talking about being attached to something for a nostalgic purpose. We're talking about something that is interwoven into your very fabric of being. So when you are going to, you know, bulldoze an area of land, that consultation with Latakia people has to be meaningful. It's not a box ticking situation. It really involves long-term relationship building and understanding and there's you know a real clash between the Australian government and an indigenous worldview mm. we don't have something that sort of meets in the middle and brings us together to be in right relationship um and there are a lot of efforts on the part of the Australian government at the moment in time to be in right relationship with aboriginal people particularly in the northern territory which has such a conservative government and has held a conservative government for so long Yeah. And also, um, as you responded there, I'm thinking about the fact that so many consultations, um, you know, every time I say that, every time you've said that, I'm sure listeners can can fill in the air quotes around consultations. But the that these processes, you know, they're extremely time limited, they're extremely selective, and they also very often function as an opportunity for bureaucrats to come say, we have these plans uh, yes, no, and then to just go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, and, you know, count consultation is the fact that they have spoken to at least one person, whether or not they agreed. That thing about Australia, like what is Australia? What is an Australian? What is the ideology? What is the philosophy of Australia? I'm not being disrespectful, but I just don't know how to connect to that. I know my song and my dance and my language and my country and my tribe. I know all that. Australia doesn't teach me about that. When I think about Australia, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know how to connect with that. 
because that culture, the Aussie culture, I suppose, it's not, it's, it's alien to me. But I know that I'm forced to say that I'm Australian legally on paper, yes. In my heart, in my spirit, I am Larakia, Kungarakan, Kurindi, Yawan Yangman, you know? I guess I wanted to to get your thoughts as well on, on the fact that, you know, based on those extremely deep and intangible kind of connections that Larakia people have to, to that country, can you speak to the sort of significance of Lee Point for both, you know, the, the dwelling and the, the cultural and political continuity of Larrakia nationhood, which I know you've captured through some really beautiful audiovisual storytelling through this campaign. In one of the interviews that I did, I sat down with one of my uncles and one of the first things that he said, he held up this tissue that I had handed him and he said, you know, you've given me this tissue for my tears and I don't have any tears left to cry. And the conversation that followed was really just one of continual heartache um, as he, across his lifetime, has watched his country be destroyed in front of his eyes. And I think, you know, there's something very... There's something very interesting happening in Darwin at the moment because we're watching a capital city be built in a way that we can see the effects of colonisation taking place in real time. And it, it, it really, you know, is a, a reminder for the heartache that, you know, Wurundjeri people and Boon people um, must be carrying in their bodies as well to be at this point of the the building of cities on their lands you know, what has happened to Wurundjeri people is happening to Latakia people. We are losing access to our lands, access to our ceremonial sites, access to our food, access to our dreamings, access to our waterways, access to our creeks. We're, we're losing these things daily. Um, and it it happens in less obvious ways. You know, it might just be that there was a suburb that was built through a path that we once walked across to get from one space to another. And now we can't get from one space next to another because there's a suburb sitting right in the middle there. Um, And so when we're talking about Lee Point, what this campaign has taught me and what has shifted in me is that the significance of Lee Point is is a... I think it's a crucial moment for Darwin, for the Northern Territory government and for, you know, the the people of Darwin to really make a commitment to the care of Latakia people, language and culture. This is quite a significant site for us culturally. It holds a lot of um, rich, diverse ecosystem. There are endangered um, animals, birds, marsupials that live in that location, as well as migratory birds. There's, um, you know, turtle locations across that coast and beautiful, rich crab um, ecosystems as well. It's such a beautiful site and it holds so much value beyond the colonial imagining. That's just like, oh, we can make a few million dollars out of this. And they're unable to see deep wealth that exists on that land that exists for everyone that exists forever um and so i think it's a really crucial moment for the people of darwin for the darwin um government and for the northern territory government to realize actually what a beautiful 
an important location that is and I, I've been saying to people, you know, you won't find Latakia culture anywhere else in the world. This is an invaluable site for us, but also for the wider Darwin population as well. And the people of Darwin, lovely point. People go there daily to fish. People go there daily to rest. People go there daily to walk their dogs. This is something that everyone can benefit from. Um, and... Unfortunately, Defence Housing Australia and the Northern Territory government is choosing to prioritise money and to prioritise military and to prioritise, you know, construction over the enrichment of everyone's lives. For me, culture is a lifeline. It's what keeps me strong. It's everything. It's my identity. So I want my baby to have that same connection and to have that strength and to know where they come from and to be able to recognise the land and identify, you know, the native plants and know the native animals and to talk to the animals and the ocean and everything, the land itself. That's what makes me strong and that's what, you know, we need for our future babies. Women's on the line. <laughs> Women on the line. you're listening to women on the line on your local community radio station with me priya i've been speaking with laniuk a larakia gungarakan gurinji and french writer and performer who's been heavily involved over recent months in amplifying the campaign to save Lee Point from clearing and mass residential development by Defence Housing Australia. Let's get back into it. What has changed in the campaign since last August's uh, voluntary decision by Defence Housing Australia? I say voluntary, but of course this comes in the wake of uh, a massive amount of community pressure led by Ludicare people. what has changed between then and now in terms of their decision to allow for time for further deliberation over some kind of quote-unquote solution, um, considering that this stay on works is, is set to end on the 31st of March 2024? I've been um, following the campaign for a long time before sort of coming in and bringing in my own contributions, and I've been um, following the media, anything to do about Lee Point, I'm waiting to hear news. And to be honest, it's just been radio silence. Like I have not heard about any new shifts or changes. I don't really know what's going to happen next. There's a lot of anticipation. And as you said, you know, March 31st is the deadline for the pause on the bulldozing. And, you know, I have family that are driving around the area and can see that there are already bulldozers moving in and out. There hasn't been a pause necessarily of the plan. There's just been a pause of destruction. But it seems from the outside that everything is pretty ready to go come March 31st, um, but a little bit in the dark. When I was following the campaign and I saw that they had put on this pause, and really that pause was to get their paperwork in check because they'd been called out on not doing proper consultation and they needed to tick a few more boxes before they could get back to destroying <laughs> sacred locations on Latakia land. Um, They called for that pause about nine months ago, I think it was, six to nine months ago, and I remember sitting there 
and there was like an element of relief. But then I also realized, and I was in Melbourne at this point, I wasn't in Darwin. I realized that they had put the pause on just before the wet season. And for a period of time where they're hoping that everyone's going to kind of lose interest. You know how it is with these movements. You know, there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of spark. And then if you kind of just drag it out, drag it out, drag it out, drag it out, slowly people tend to get a bit burnt out and to kind of take a step back a little bit. And so I thought from my perspective, it felt to me like there were two motivations here. One, they're hoping that people lose interest. Two, they get to wait out the wet season because they can't actually be building anything during, you know, torrential monsoonal rain, you know, in in Darwin. Um, So they're also saving money. So for me, it wasn't so much of a win that that pause was happening. It was a moment to really get organized. And that was when I sort of kicked into gear and was like, okay, campaign plan, consulting elders, you know, finding grant money, finding a videographer and getting everything organized, knowing that come March 31st, we need to be amping, 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 amping back up, getting interest back in there, making sure that people are on the ground, ready to blockade if necessary. And at the beginning of this campaign that I'm sort of running um, through social media, Initially, I was very much like, don't bulldoze that area, don't bulldoze that area. And then I was like, this is, this is good, but this is, this isn't actually where my politics are. (laughs) My politics are in returning that land to Latakia people. Mm -hmm. And so then there was a moment where I was like, well, actually, what are we fighting for beyond this moment, beyond this urgency? Where are we wanting to go? Because this might last years, you know, where there have been plenty of land protection campaigns that have you know, bit at a standstill for years. We don't know what's going to happen March 31st. Maybe it'll go ahead. Maybe it won't. I'm guessing that it probably will. But for the long-term imagining, where can we take this energy to a meaningful place? And to the most meaningful place in, in my imagining is the return of our land to uh, Latakia people so that we can engage with our land. Oh my gosh, sometimes I just sit there and I just daydream. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to have ceremony with Latakia families and it's just us and that's it you know like what if we could just be alone with our land even just for a few days like we haven't had that oh my god we haven't had that and that that is really the thing that just keeps me going through all the stress of the admin and the emails and the editing you know it's just this moment that I'm waiting for where we can just be alone with our land you know it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it And I think that it really is possible. I think it is within reach. Um, But we need the backing of, you know, our allies. We need the backing of the people of Darwin um, to move the rock of the Darwin government to understand the value and how important it is for us to to have access to our land and to be in control of decision making of Lee Point. Lee Point means everything to me. Can't ask me what it means. It means everything. Existence, life, happiness, family, sorry business, food, survival. You can't, it's just not a fair question. It means everything. Everything to me. My future, my past, my current. Lifeline for my children, and one of the last areas 
that I can take my children and fish and hunt and teach them about their country, teach them what's important, how to love who they are, love what they are, love what they belong to, what belongs to them. This is it. This is our everything. It's mine, it's me, it's my kids. My kids are this country, this country is my kids. Something that I've been coming back to a lot in conversations with people is the damage that the John Howard government did in people's imagining of what native title, land back, um, and Aboriginal people sort of being in control of our lands could mean. You know, there's this there's this imagining that we're going to come and we're going to kick everyone out of their homes and everyone's going to be lost and, you know, not, not know what to do with themselves. And, you know, that has just created such deep, harm in these conversations and so I think you know beyond even justly point beyond this moment you know there are aboriginal people there are indigenous people across this world that are trying to reason with colonial governments um, to understand the significance of caring for land for everyone for futures for water for animals like it, it, it boggles it boggles my mind that we have to be having these arguments, but we do because there is a disconnection um, and a missing of, of values. And so I think it's really important that we're having internal interrogations and conversations with other people about the role of Indigenous people in the futurity of this planet and in the futurity of everyone, because ultimately we're looking to care for country, to continue our culture, to continue our 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 um, ceremonies so that our children have a strong sense of self and belonging and also to protect that land for future generations forever and that benefits everyone and so I think you know beyond signing the petition please you know watching the videos getting involved and blockading with us March 31st if you're in Darwin an internal interrogation and conversations with family and friends and community about the role that Indigenous people play in the future. That was a conversation with Larakia Kungarakan, Gurindji, and French writer and performer Laniuk about the ongoing campaign by Larakia people to save Lee Point. Throughout this interview, you also heard from some of the Larakia women who've lent their voices to the campaign. And this includes Jamila Mills, Arbe Talbot, Haley McAdam, Auntie Ali Mills, and Arbe Adron. Again, remember you can check out our show notes at 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line for the full speaker list. And you can also watch each of the videos that accompany these women's voices by heading to instagram.com forward slash Laniuk. That's L-A-N-I-Y-U-K. When you're there, don't forget to sign the change.org petition to return Lee Point to Latakia Care. Women on the Line is produced and presented by women and gender diverse people in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on unceded Kulin Nations land. Women on the Line is broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network, and this is made possible with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Our theme music is by Ripley Kavara, and our past programs can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. Remember to tune in to Women on the Line next week on your local community radio station. We'll catch you then.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.